Immediately a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed to the cross, you'll lose all yours too. We love ourselves so much. And who are, who are we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the jailhouse. <clears throat> I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. Thanks be to God that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this, it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own. I, I'm not called to chart my own course. I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it. I'm called to follow Him. I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with the Holy Savior. I'm called to let His mind be formed in me. His life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. Run from those that are picking your pocket in the name of Jesus. Run! Run from churches where men and not Christ are glorified. Run! Run from those who preach division between races and cultures. Run! Run from preachers that stand and tell stories and jokes. Run like you've never run before. Yeah, well, you don't want to stick around when you're not hearing the gospel. You know, I have no problem with uh, using a little bit of levity to, say, break the ice or ease people in, but when it becomes the entirety of a service, it really is tiresome. Uh, you go to church, you don't go there for jokes, and you don't go there for stories about humans, totally. Uh, you go there to hear the Word of God expounded by someone who knows how. And uh, I, I know I keep coming back to that because every time I listen to my intro there, I get it gets me fired up because I, I listen, you, you listen to the guys on TV even the TV preachers, the most of them, 99%. It's all about how can I entertain these people so that they'll stay dialed in and then buy my book at the end or my prayer cloth or this bottle of, you know, blessed water or whatever. But uh, we have gone to a degree that cheapens everything about the gospel of Christ, and it is not cheap. It is a very deep, 
and needful part of our lives. I don't care if you've been uh, walking with the Lord for 10 days, 10 years, or half that many decades, 50 years. You need encouragement. We need to be lifted up. We need to be brought closer in to uh, he who saves us, Jesus Christ. So, we've been talking for several uh, episodes here about the wilderness experience, the wilderness adventure. Uh, The other day, well, yesterday, actually, this is the 17th, I believe, of May 2023. You know, we got talking about coming out of the wilderness. And, you know, this is something that, I don't know how it came to my revelation of my own or whatever, or if I dreamt it up. I I don't really believe that. I just think that when you start to look at the Bible in a deeper way, you start to see things that you can equate to uh, our our salvific nature and how God gets us through things from one side to the other. So let's go ahead and look at what we are into today. Um, I want to recap real quickly. Yesterday, uh, we we were kind of talking about Joshua goes around and he tells the people, um, get ready. We're going to cross the Jordan. Sanctify yourselves. Get ready for it. In Joshua 3, 3, it says, and he commanded the people. I like how it says that he commanded the people. He has been given that mantle of responsibility by God to tell the people what to do, how to do it. And as long as he's doing what God has instructed him to do, which we find out that Joshua pretty much did all the way through, he has the right by God to command the people. And they listen to him because they trust him. Now, of course, there's always some bad actors we'll see later. <clears throat> but he com- they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priest Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. I, I read that, and I was like, this is just a picture of Jesus saying, follow me. This is a picture of when he says, uh, Continue in my word. That's from John 8. For those that are a little bit behind the eight ball on that. The truth will make you free. And if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Now, some people think that, oh, that's reading the Bible. I'm continuing in the word. Well, that's true. You should do that. You should stay current in the Bible, but you have to realize people have this Western context that they want to put everything in. When they read the Bible, they read the Western context, which is not in the Bible. The Bible has been written written for all of us, yes. Yes, but 
What is the context of John 8, 31? Then Jesus, to those Jews who believed on him, Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Now, you can read this Bible all day long. There are people who take it into a mystical level. I believe in spiritual aspects of it, but not mystical. You know, God is God can be mystical to us, but he's not. He, he is our father. There's nothing mystical there. There's nothing magical. It is spiritual. So when he says, you can, if you continue in my word, if you continue doing what I've shown you to do, what I've taught you to do, then you can be my disciples indeed. In, in Joshua 3, 4, or 3, 3, he says, when you see the covenant, the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites bearing, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Jesus walked up to Matthew and he says, follow me. And Matthew, a Levite, followed him. His name actually was Levi. He left the tax booth and followed. He walked up to, to Peter, James, and John as they were preparing the nets and getting ready for fishing. Follow me. And they followed him. And they followed him onward. They made mistakes, yes, but they followed him. They followed him even after he had left this earth and gone back to be with his father in heaven, and they followed him to their own deaths. So that's what this is telling the, uh, you know, you can equate this of, hey, you've been shown the truth of Jesus Christ. Follow him. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of your Lord and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove yourself and go after it. <clears throat> now look, notice also in the next verse of Joshua 3, 4, there should be a space between you and it of about 2,000 cubits. That's uh, roughly 6,000 feet, somewhere in there, I think. 2,000 cubits. A cubit's about a foot and a half. Uh, so 2,000, uh, be like 3,000 feet. Uh, that's in my, I'm doing that math in my head, so don't judge me. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. It's, you know, don't, you, there's always been this thing about your, you, you common folk are not supposed to get too close to this ark. There was a fellow down the road, a piece in David's day that reached out and touched it, and he dropped dead. Now, Joshua spoke to the priest and said, take up the ark, pass over before the people, and they took up the ark and the covenant, and they went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day will I begin to magnify you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. That had to be a boost to Joshua, uh, but not in a prideful way because God wouldn't honor that. 
but you know he has decided god has chosen joshua to be the one that the people will follow now and joshua said down there in 3:10 hereby you shall know that the living god is among you and that he will without fail drive out before you all those people, the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, the Gigasites, Gergesites, sorry, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites, pretty bad folks. Jebusites actually lived in Jerusalem, as it will become to known. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Behold, the covenant of the Lord of all the earth. Mm-mm-mm. Now he took one man from each tribe and they took a stone. And it shall come to pass as as the soles of the feet of the priest that bear the ark of the Lord, uh, the Lord of all the earth. I know he just keeps re- reiterating the Lord of all the earth. You know, this is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the king of kings, the creator, you know, all those other gods that are out there, that the, there's gods all over this new land that they're going into. This, this promised land is full of false gods. We call them demons, devils, Satan's guys. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap this is just like the red sea they're going across jordan it's like another baptism as they go into the uh uh promised land when the people removed from their tents pass over jordan the priest bearing the ark of the covenant before the people uh they came to the jordan the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped to the brim of the water the jordan overflowed all his banks all the time of harvest the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zeratan. And those who came down towards the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, that's the dead sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. The priest stood on dry land in the midst of the Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. This is another one of those amazing things that God can do, and only God can do it. He says, when you see the ark, follow it. Christian, when you see Jesus, follow him and stay following Now, they had to follow the ark at a distance. I believe the closer you follow Jesus, or the closer you follow to Jesus, the better off you are. That's the only caveat that I would throw in there. Don't try to follow him uh, 2,000, 3,000 feet away, or 2,000 cubits, however you want to put it. Get as close as you can, like the lady who was plagued with the with the uh, issue of blood? She got up where she could grab a hold of his cloak, the hem of his garment. She was healed. We, I tell you, salvation 
in this nation is being cheapened. Uh, my friend and I, Mike, discuss these things back and forth quite often. And I, I study into things, and, I, and there's people who probably say, oh, you look at too much stuff. You know, but I, I just following, continuing in my word. You know, it's it's sad to you know just say, well, you know, I want you to, I want you to come and have your, you know, people used to say this. I want you to have that come to Jesus moment. Everybody needs one of those, but don't cheapen it. Don't cheapen it with words made up by men. Jesus said, follow me. He's saying that to us today. He said it to the Israelites. I don't know how, I'm I'm not good with dates, but I'm thinking about 3,000 years ago or more, well, it'd be more than that. In Joshua's day, when you see the ark, follow it. Come after it. Go with it. This ark, some I've heard guys that have taken the ark and cheapened it. Oh, it's just a piece of furniture. That piece of furniture is a place where the living God, notice the Lord of all the earth, would come and inhabit. The high priest would go in and sprinkle the blood of the lamb uh, the, on there on the day of atonement or Passover, I'm sorry, on Passover. And the Lord himself would descend and take up his place there. The glory of God would fill the tabernacle or the temple. It's not just a piece of furniture. It was a very intricately built, it was a box, but it was, it was very to the nth degree built to God's specifications and God would come down and dwell among the people at that point in time and if that high priest was out of sorts with God he'd end up dead but you know the Bible does not need us to cheapen it salvation should not be cheapened, and it shouldn't be soft-sold. I, again, I hear guys talk. I, I learned how to sell, and selling made it better for me to be able to witness to people about Jesus. No, I was a salesman myself. It didn't help me to sell anything in the, in the realm of Christianity. The Holy Ghost leads you to the people that need you. All men need God. All men need Christ. And they don't need somebody to say, whisper this prayer with me, and once it's over, you're, 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 you're in the promised land now. And we're going to look at that right now. Now, what Joshua does, we're over in verse, uh, sorry, chapter 4 of Joshua, and he said, command them, saying, take hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the, the priest's feet stood firm, 12 stones, and you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the 
lodging place where you shall lodge this night. Now, this is important. It, it doesn't sound like uh, anything that makes any sense to us, but God is having them build like a little altar. He called 12 men, one of each of the uh, tribes of Israel, and he said to them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. Take up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder. This is probably a good-sized stone, folks. It was a little you know, pebble according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign. This is very important for Joshua 4, 6, that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in the time to come, saying, what mean ye by these stones? And ye shall answer them, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And they did as Joshua commanded him. them. They took up the stones, st- stones, stones out of the midst of the Jordan, as God had told them, as the Lord had spake unto Joshua, and according to the number of the tribes of the children, it goes through the whole thing, they carried them over onto the place where they lodged, and they laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests were bare. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. Now, I don't know that they actually are to this day, you know, 3,000 years later. But, you know, you get the idea. This little stone deal was there to remind them of what happened so that when their children said, why do these stones sit here? You could tell them. And then as time would go on, they could say, well, my father told me this and mine told me that. And it goes on down the line. You know, God was very big on this. You know, there was, there was, uh, uh, in Exodus, it talks, I think it's like 13, uh, where, where there's the talk of, uh, the Passover and explaining why we do the Passover down through the years so that the, the children, children's 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 children down the road will know why they still did it. That God delivered them that day out of Egypt. Have you set up a stack of stones, maybe? I don't expect you to go out in your yard and build a stone stack, okay? I'm just I'm being a little facetious, but have you have you set your life in a in a way that your your children and your grandchildren will notice that you live a little different than maybe their friends' dad and mom do? Do do they see something in your life that that they say, well, why do we go to church on Sunday? doesn't make sense. My, my friend down the street doesn't. His parents don't. It's because we believe in what Jesus can do in our lives, little one. We believe that he died 
for us. And you may be too young right now to understand, but as we grow older and we we keep going to this church place that your little friends don't go to, maybe maybe we'll be able to talk them into coming with us someday. But we do it because we remember Jesus every Sunday. We should remember him every day, but specifically Sunday is another picture of that resurrection that Jesus fulfilled on the first day of the week, sorry. <clears throat> That's what Sunday really is. It's a it's a it's a picture. It's a reminder. I'm sorry, not a picture. It's a reminder to us of the resurrection every Sunday morning is a reminder of what Jesus fulfilled for us. So that's, that's, uh, these, these little things throughout the entirety of the Bible are done. There's these little little you know stone stacks or whatever that the people would do as a reminder for what God had done for them when they came through uh, all the things that they came through. They would they would set up these little stone stacks. Remember Joshua set up an altar, or not Joshua? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Got myself in a in a mess here. Jacob set up one after he was renamed Israel. That this is a place of God. He called it Bethel, I believe. Now, we see these folks do this. They've come across Jordan. God has again, once again, shown them the awesomeness that he is. He can stack the water up stand it up as they cross over and uh, they never get their feet wet and the ground isn't muddy and they grab rocks and they set them up. Now we come to the first thing that's going to happen. They come in. Now, see, here's the thing. You know, you got saved. You've, you've been, you've been bought by the blood of Christ so, you know, like I say, we can equate them first years even sometimes, but there's a period of time where you just feel like, wow, you know, you're zealous for God. You're zealous for Christ. And then you kind of settle down a little bit, and you notice, man, all my friends are gone. You know, a lot of my family is not really wanting to be around me that much. I don't get invited to the parties like I used to. You know, you kind of you kind of slipped into the wilderness. So you figure, well, uh, what do I do now? And hopefully, you you landed in a church where they preach the Bible and they teach the gospel of Jesus, where you can learn more about this wonderful thing that you've done in your life that God actually has done in your life that the Lord Jesus Christ has done in your life. He's redeemed you from a mess that you were before. He's brought you up alongside of him, and he has come to be alongside you. But sometimes in the human side of it, it feels a little lonely. 
you know, as you seek out others like you now, others that are walking the path that you're trying to walk. I always bring up the Pilgrim's Progress as a a nice analogy picture of the Christian walk. Pilgrim takes off all alone. He has different people come alongside him as he goes, and they sometimes are an encouragement and sometimes they're a hindrance. And we have that in our lives. We have hindrances We have and we have encouragers. <clears throat> but here we are walking, talking with Jesus, being, being in his presence as much as we can. But the, the wilderness is hard. Paul went to the wilderness. Jesus went to the wilderness. We talked about that. The devil's there. The demons are there. The hyenas, the jackals, the snakes, the scorpions, the bugs. They're all there. All these things that come after you in the night. But Jesus is there too. This, the Satan thinks he owns something because the wilderness seems to be his place to hang out. That God owns the wilderness. God is growing us as we go through these wilderness journeys that we go through. And then we come through the other side. You know, we've, we've grown. We, we feel we've figured out what is it that God wants me to do. You know, what, what, what's my next step as I come across Jordan, as I walk over on dry land, as God shows me just how awesome he is, how powerful he is. I come across Jordan. I set up my rocks so I don't forget the things that happen. Oops, what's this? It's Jericho. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. <laughs> Nobody in Jericho wants to deal with these people. They've, they've heard the stories. But the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given into thy hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and his mighty men, the mighty men of valor. You shall, con you shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. I, I always want you to, listen to when it says six days six days the lord worked he created and on the seventh day he rested <clears throat> seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns and the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times and the priest blow the trumpets and it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with a ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. So Joshua has the people do this as, as 
you know, they're probably, you know, you can, you know, we're, we're humans. He's, they're probably thinking, what is Joshua talking about? I mean, does he really know what he's doing? But they also realize that God has put Joshua in charge. So if Joshua is speaking, we better believe that Joshua has been heard, has heard from God, that this is what God wants us to do. And we better follow it. Now, I want you to transpose that a little bit into the New Testament theology of Joshua being Jesus. God has given Jesus all power. God has given Jesus the command of his people. Do we listen to him? If he came and told you to, to do, do something this, you know, seemingly, um, let's say, odd, would we do it? Would we stand up? Say, let's let's make it easier. What 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 if God told you, and and you knew this? You 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 were in prayer, you were in Bible study, or whatever. Maybe you had a dream. I don't know. And I don't I don't put a lot of of. Uh, I don't think every dream is from God. Uh, our minds go all over the place while we sleep. But sometimes God may speak to you in a dream, and maybe or maybe in your spirit, you just know. God's saying, you walk up to that person right over there. I know you don't know them, but they're hurting. And they need to hear what Jesus has to say. And he is going to speak through you because you're going to use the kind of words that the Savior would use. Something to that effect. In other words, witness to people. <clears throat> so, you know, maybe God's telling you, go make a long blast with the ram's horn to that person right over there with a great shout. You know, Joshua is a forerunner of Christ. He's a, a uh, shadow, a type of Christ. He's Joshua, Yeshua, Joshua. You know, you get it. So listen to him. God is telling us, and he told, you know, what did he say? This is my son in whom I am well pleased when he was baptized and when he was on the mount of transfiguration. The voice of God rang in the ears of those around. Listen to him. Do what he says. Continuing in my word, and you will be my disciples. So the people did it. I mean, they, they trusted God. They trusted Joshua. These, these people have been through many years of the wilderness experience. Now they're in the promised land. And when they run into the first thing they come into is a war. Yeah, the promised land's not all fun and games either in your salvific journey. As you come into the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ and you understand it better, you go from the wilderness into the promised land. So they do what they're told to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
the second day they do it they can pass the city the first day they can pass the city and they did this for six days one time around and it came to pass on the seventh day they rose up early about the dawning of the day and passed the city after the same manner seven times only on that day they can pass the city seven times only on that day see the other days they went around once and it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew the trumpet joshua said to the people shout for the lord hath given you the city and the city shall be accursed even it and all that are therein to the lord only rahab the harlot shall live and she and all that are in her house because she hid the messengers that we sent. Rahab saved these people. He saved the two spies that that Joshua sent. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye take yourselves accursed when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver, the gold, the vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted with the priest, blew the horns, and everything fell apart. It just poof. They utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox, sheep, ass, by the edge of the sword. Go into the harlot's house. He told the two men that had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath as ye sweared unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and they brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought them out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein, only the silver, the gold, and the vessels of brass and iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Now, see, that is what was supposed to happen. God said, I'm going to give you this city, but whatever is in it of any worth, the gold, the silver, the brass, and the iron, that stuff is mine And you will bring that and you will put it in the treasury of the house of God. This, you know, I believe this would be used down the road to build the temple and be part of that. Because that's what God's always looking forward to is what, what will happen down the road. You know, be obedient, do as God says. Listen, and things will happen. Now we start verse number one of Joshua 7. I know, going through it pretty quick, but I'm just giving you the idea. Look, look, the promised land is what we strive for. But in this life, as we look at it, it, it wasn't like you walked into a, Hey, everything's flown with milk and honey. God said it would be. 
and it it will be if you're obedient. There's all kinds of things that happen as we go through this. Now, verse number one of Joshua 7, but the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing for Achan, idiot, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. I always like to know what names mean when I when I see them. Like, you know, what does Achan mean? Because in 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 Hebrew, all these names have a meaning. You know, they're they're literally named after uh, some significant attribute of their own. Troubler. <laughs> there you go. I looked it up in the Strong's. Strong's Concordance. Achan means troubler. Yes, he did. He caused some trouble. So what did happen? There, uh, the people, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. That's the next big city that we're coming up against, which is beside Beth Haven on the east side of Bethel. And spake unto the men, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua, and they said, Let let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So this is a small town. This is a town of... Little significance is as a uh, opposed to like Jericho. You know, this is just a, this is nothing burger. This is like going from, you know, L.A. down to Robertsville, Ohio. If you know where I'm talking about, it's a little spot on the map. Doesn't even have a gas station anymore. So. You know, these people think, we, we, we've got this. God's with us. We can go in and take care of it. So they went up. They went up for the people of about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about 30 and 6, 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate, even into Shebarium, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Joshua ripped his clothes, rent his clothes, and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. And he and the elders of Israel uh, put dust on their heads. This is the common way that these people in this point in time would show great remorse or woe or uh, mourning because this should not have happened. He says, where last Joshua said, alas, O God, wherein, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us to the hand of the Amorites? 
to destroy us. Would to God we had been content and dwelt in the other side of Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say? When Israel turneth her backs before their enemies, for the Canaanites and their the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it, and they shall environ us. They shall circle us around and cut off, cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore hast thou, Wherefore liest thou upon thy face? In other words, Joshua, quit, quit complaining. Quit whimpering. You ought to know that if I say, God's telling him, yeah, just I'm, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but you should know if I tell you that you've got this, you've got this. But something happened. Joshua 7, 11. <clears throat> Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and dis, dis, dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. I like how God has the, the way he puts things, even among their own stuff. And therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be. Neither will I be with you any more, except you destroy the accursed from among you. Up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, for thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. So what do we have? We got this guy named Achan that stole some stuff from Jericho because he was greedy. He wanted to stick his hand in the bag to sound like somebody else, maybe, that shows up a couple thousand years later, a thousand years later. A guy named Judas. Judas. Judas was always interested in what was in the bag. He carried it. He was always sticking his hand in and taking for his own self. Hey, you know, I'm kind of, I'm taking my interest out of this. The sin of Achan. They rose up in the morning. They brought Israel by their tribes and the tribe of, of Judah was taken. See, again, yeah, you know, hey, there you go. Achan this comes from the same tribe that the Lord himself comes from. And he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabadiah, the son of Zerah, and the tribe of Judah was taken. Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And Achan does. He, he confesses. He says, I have indeed sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. And when I saw the spoils, a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels, I'm sorry, shekels of silver and a wedge of gold, 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and I took them 
and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Joshua sent some folks over there. They ran into the tent. Behold, it was hid in the tent and the silver under it. And they took them out in the midst of the tent, brought them unto Joshua, unto all the children of Israel, laid them before the Lord. Joshua and the Israel with him took Achan, son of Zerah, and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold, and his two sons, his daughters, his oxen, his asses, his, his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. So what happened? This guy didn't do what he was supposed to. He decided he he wanted to, he wanted to get rich quick. He, he played the, he played the old smiley card. You know, I guess what I'll do here is, uh, nobody's going to know. So I'm going to go ahead and I'll just go ahead and take some of this stuff. Nobody's going to realize it. Nobody's going to care. God cares because God said all of Jericho's spoils are mine. All of them. You get nothing. But this guy tried to take it, and it cost him everything. And not only that, it cost his family. He lost all of them. His family was killed. All of his donkeys were killed. All of his sheep. Everything he owned was taken and burnt. burnt to a crisp, then stones were leveled upon them. And God then says, you know, my, my anger, it, it's, it's gone. The accursed thing has been removed from you. Do you have accursed things in your life? We all probably do. Do you have uh, any of those things that you know you, you were supposed to leave behind they're still hanging on you know whether it be a a, a penchant for pornography or or drinking or smoking dope or any other sin that is a sin that you live in those are cursed things those are things that we need to rid ourselves of. Now, some will tell you, you don't need to worry about all that. No, just carry on. You've, you said a five-second prayer, and your life has changed from this moment on. You, you, you can't lose your salvation of, at, any, at any strike. You know, it's, 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 it's sealed, it's dealed, it's over but they never show the people how to live. They show them, oh, yeah, you got to read, you know, the book of John. It's always a good place to start. 
Now, God just, I, I believe <coughs> Jericho is a specific thing that God wanted to show them, hey, this is what, what I can do. You listen to me, and I'll knock it flat. Do you, do you have that Jericho in your life that you need knocked flat? Listen to God. Turn it over to God. You know, blow the horn, yell, whatever it is to make the walls of that thing in your life fall flat. And there, there, we all have something that just keeps nagging at us. Don't try to grab a piece of it and take off and, and hide it in your tent. Don't try to, you know, I'm going to just hide this from God. He won't know. He knows everything. He sees everything. He's, he's there. You can't get away with it. You don't want to be taken outside the city and stoned. Burnt to a crisp. My buddy Mike and I were talking, and we, we, we always kind of circle around to the old uh, Matthew 7 where Jesus tells these over-religious folks what, that come before him on the day of judgment and say, look what we did. Look at the, look at the people I saved. Look at the people that, that were in my church. Look at the people that I, I healed from blindness and, and raised from the dead. I did all these things like you did, Jesus. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. On that day, there will be many people who stand there saying, I know you, Lord. I know you. And he will say, I don't know you. Achan is a troubler. He knew better, but he couldn't help it. That wedge of gold, that few shekels of silver and an and a, a Babylonian garment. God doesn't want you to hold on to your Babylonian garments, whatever they may be. Maybe it's that uh, Led Zeppelin album that you like so much. Maybe you can't just get past listening to Stairway to Heaven. Well, it is. It's about the Stairway to Heaven, but if you listen to it, it's about Satan. I mean, I can go on. You know, you, you can't get past that Babylonian garment. God wants you to be clothed in a garment that is white and ready for the ready for the wedding. Ready for salvation. A significant showing of salvation. He doesn't want you hanging on to that Babylonian garment and hiding it in your tent. You know, I'm, I, I'm a closet musician, and I love music, always have. But the more I listen to even the Christian stuff anymore that's supposed to be Christian, and we could go for days talking about some of the people that have been pillars of the contemporary Christian music scene that are no longer pillars. They're ruins. Some of them are, I'm, I'm thinking, still holding up, but there are those that 
you know, Chris Tomlin comes out. That's and those of you that know who he is, he comes out and 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 embraces the teachings of Joyce Meyer, a heretic in my in my eye. Amy Grant, the queen of CCM, it's Christian music, contemporary Christian music. She's like the poster girl. What does she do? She has a wedding that she allows to be done on her farm between her, I think it was her niece and her niece's girlfriend. A homosexual wedding. Joey Osteen attends the wedding of the queer Houston mayor. These are Babylonian garments. These are that little wedge of silver or a little wedge of gold and that couple of shekels of silver that we want to hold on to. You know, these, these are the things that help fulfill me. These are the things that keep me grounded. These are my anchors. Your anchor should be Jesus and Jesus alone. Your anchor should be his word and his word alone. These other things, if they do you some good along the way, that's great. But it seems like they're troublers. They're Aikens. They have gone to the other side. If Aiken would have held on and just said, ah, I'm going to listen to God. Then 36 men wouldn't have died going into AI. And you know what? God let them keep the stuff that they took. And when they when they finally did go in and 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 whoop AI, God let them have the spoils. They got to keep they got to, they got theirs. God wants his first. He wants the spoils of the war, the battle. The first ones are his, the first fruits. And it came to pass when Israel had made an end of the slaying of the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness, wherein they chased them. And when they were all fallen at the edge of the sword until they were consumed, that all the Israelites returned unto Ai and smote it, to the, to, smote it with the edge of the sword. And so it was that all that fell that day, both of men and women, were 12,000 even all the men of AI. Because Joshua drew not back his hand, wherewith he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed the inhabitants of AI. Only the cattle and the spoil of that city Israel took for a prey unto themselves, according unto the word of the Lord, which he commanded Joshua. See, God gave them. He gave them everything. And then the king of Ai, they took and hanged on a tree until even, evening. And as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded they should take down his carcass from the tree, cast it into the entering of the gate of the city, and raise thereupon a great heap of stones that remains until this day. There's always a heap of stones that ends up remaining until this day.
So what do we see here? I mean, I can go through the whole book of Joshua. It'd probably be well worth it. Because what goes on is one battle after another, isn't it? You come out of that wilderness that you stumbled around in for as long as God kept you there, trying to build you and get you right with him. You come through that wilderness, that period of your life that seems like it never ends, and then you step across Jordan, you step across the river, God brings you across. You don't even get your feet wet to prove to you how strong he is. But when you get to what we call the promised land, your fight isn't over. It only just begins. But again, God's going to show you he's got this for you. No, He's strengthened you in that long walk. And now you've entered a place where you can handle the fight. We all need to get to that point. Quit being a baby Christian. If you've been a Christian for 40 or 50 years, you should be through the wilderness and you should be smiting those on the other side and claiming your promised land because God has promised it to you. And he'll lead you through it too. And he will conquer your foes. Till the next time, it's Tom Richardson removing confusion on May the 16th. 2023 my holy father well he's made me his own and i'm washed